that we all should focus on this morning. Do you remember a moment in your life that changed everything? Do you remember? Can you recall a moment in your life that changed everything? Maybe for some, that moment is when you got married, hopefully, when you got married. When you, when you came and, and, and you, you, know, you were dating your spouse at that time and you came, you came and, and you got married. Maybe that was a definitive moment in your life. Maybe a moment that changed everything in your life is maybe the day that you became a father or a mother. Changed your life. There's moments that change us this morning. Can you say amen? There are times in our life that change us. And let us, let us read what, what the scripture says about that. In verse 1, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. You were dead. We were dead in our sin, it says, in our trespasses and sins. In which you once walked. A, a, a walking dead person. In my, in my mind, that's a zombie, but anyways. Following the course of the world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were, un, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. There are four things this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to remind us through what we just read. The first thing is that we were dead in our sin. Can a dead person do anything for himself? No. That person is dead. That person has no connection between him, himself, herself, and God. There's, no, there's nothing that can be done. Only God can reach out and resurrect a dead person. Only God can do that. We need to understand that. We need to remember that this morning. We need to remember that you once walked and you thought like the person who rejects God. There are many people in this world that have a hatred, a passion, and they hate God. Maybe they have a stigma about church. Maybe they, they have this thought in their mind of what church is, what, what, what leaders in the church are, or what God is. Maybe they have a skewed view because of how they were raised. But we need to remember that we were once like them. The Bible wants us to remember that. Also, you once did whatever came to mind that pleased your own desires. The Bible wants us to remember that. You were once like that. We once walked around before knowing Christ and we did whatever we wanted to do. We thought whatever we wanted to think. We did whatever we wanted because that's, we, didn't, we didn't have any governing rule in our life. 
And number four, you were like the rest of mankind. The Bible wants us to make it clear and remind us of these things. We are being told to remember this morning. That remember what? That you were the baddest. That you were the meanest. That you were the vato nevario that was the strongest. That you were the, the, the coolest guy in high school. That is, no, that's not what we're told to be reminded of. We're told to be reminded that we were once lost, but now we're found. That we were once blind, but now we can see. That we were dead, but now we're alive. We need to remember that moment when we were dead in our sin, but God came in and changed the course of our lives. See, it makes it clear here that we were dead. We, we followed our own passions, but God being rich in mercy, we need to thank God for that moment when he stepped in. Being rich in his mercy with the great love, he saved us. And that's something that we need, we need to understand this morning that there is nothing you can do. There is no good in you. It was simply God in his mercy that saved you this morning. Now, even those who know everything, right? Because there's some people that, that maybe you know, that I know, that know everything. They can't be taught. They know everything. You know, and, and when we come across people like this, it, it, sometimes it's hard to teach them. But even those who know everything need to be reminded about this. See, in the book, in the, in the second book of Peter, chapter 1, verse 5, we're going to read something very important about what it is to be reminded this morning. Now, now Peter... He walked with Jesus. Peter was one of Jesus' guys, right? Jesus had 12 disciples. Peter was one of them. And he was raw. He, was, uh, he, he spoke his mind. He, he, he acted on impulse. Peter was a, a, a kind of person that, you know, wore his heart on his sleeve. He was, you know, he was a man that loved the Lord, no doubt. And, and in, in this book that he writes to the church, he says this. He says, for every reason, verse 5, make every effort to supplement your faith. Now, supplement your faith. You know, when guys want to bulk up, right, when, when, when people want to be healthy, they'll go into the, 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 the store, the, the drug store, the, the, the vitamin store, and they'll go purposely and find supplements to help their body and, and that's the idea here. You know, in every effort to supplement your faith, how are you supplementing your faith this morning? What are you doing to supplement your faith? Look what the Bible says here. It says, supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And with steadfastness, with godliness and with godliness, with brotherly affection and brotherly affection, love. A progression, 
a, a way that we should be supplementing our faith. Okay, once you've, you have virtue, knowledge. Once you, you've, you've added knowledge, self-control. And then Peter says here in verse 8, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, make note of that, not only, not only do you have them, but they're being increased. You're doing things to build up these virtues. If you're doing that, it says, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you mean to tell me that you can know about Jesus and be completely unproductive? Yes. Do you mean that you could have all this knowledge of the cross and the blood of Jesus and you can have the, the, the key to lead someone to Christ and be nearsighted, to be ineffective, unfruitful? Absolutely. <clears throat> Let's continue. It says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Just like in Ephesians. We need to remember where we came from. We need to remember that we were cleansed from our former sins. It's important to have that in the forefront of our minds. It says in verse 12, Peter says, therefore I intend. Now this is Peter the apostle. He's saying, I intend always to remind you of these qualities Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. So Peter is telling the church, I, I know you guys are educated. I know you guys have, have, have heard this topic many times over and over again. But I need to constantly remind you, even though you know it, you need to know it again. It says here, I think it is right as long as I am in the body to stir up by the way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of, the, of my body will be soon as the Lord Jesus has made it clear to me. In other words, he's saying, Jesus told me I was going to die for my faith. I, I don't know how much time I have on earth, but in that time, I'm going to constantly remind you of these things. Because, you know, church, we need to be reminded this morning that even though we are saved, we need to be growing in Christ. We, we need to supplement. It doesn't say we need to just wait for something to happen. It says we need to supplement our faith. We need to step out of our comfort zone and do the things that are going to help us grow in Christ. That are going to strengthen our faith, strengthen our relationship. See, remembering where you came from, because, you know, many, many of us, we have that down. You know, you can ask them, where would you come from? And boom, here comes the, 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 the boasting. Oh, man, I was this, I was that. Now, remembering where you came from is just as important as knowing where you are going this morning. See, we can recall a past. We can recall a time when God did something great. But you know what? That isn't good anymore. We need to, have, we need to be looking towards the future. We need to be thinking, where is my faith now and how can it be better? What can I do this morning? What can I do this week so that I'm supplementing my faith? <clears throat> so that I'm not only remembering 
where I came from, but also where am I going? Church, this morning, let us not trade in worldly success for spiritual growth. Let's not mistake those things. Let's, let's grow in the spirit. Let's grow in our success. Let, let them be as, you know, spiritually, obviously more important, but let's not trade it this morning. Now, it's easy to get caught up in the routine, to only remember, remember the time when God did something and go through the motions of Christian life, but we ought to remember and increase in our faith. Now, being nearsighted means unable to see the things clearly unless they are relatively close to the eyes. He's saying, you know, because if you don't have these virtues, if you're not growing and increasing in your faith, you become nearsighted. And isn't that true? I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life that I've been nearsighted. There's been times in my life that the only things that were important in my life were the things that were right in front of me. And I no longer cared about what my wife thought, what my kids thought. It was all about me. And the Bible says that if we begin to neglect those things, if we begin to neglect our faith, that we will become nearsighted. And a church that is nearsighted doesn't have room to grow. Therefore, this morning, we need to check our hearts. Is it all about me? Or is there room in my heart? Now, going back to Ephesians, it says that we were raised up, verse 6, and we were raised up with him and seated, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now, I can't help but think of maybe a ride or an attraction. Excuse me. That I know is fun, exciting. Have you ever maybe had a nephew or a, a you know, a, a relative, a, a kid who it was going to go on a ride for the first time? And, and you have this, this feeling in your heart, you're like, man, just... You know, come, let me show, I want to be the first one to show you this ride. It's, it's cool. It's awesome. And you get to share that experience. I, I imagine the Lord saying, I, I'm, I got so much to show you. Come here. Just, just come with me. And let me, let me, let me show you the in, unmeasurable riches of my grace. Let me show you everything that I have in store for you. Just, just come with me. Now it says in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one will boast. Now, Christians tend to get a little twisted in this area because you have one side that says this. Well, if I'm saved by grace, that means I could just go out and just live my life as I please. But let us... Let us go to Revelations chapter 2. Now, we're in the book of Ephesians. And, and the Ephesians, we're going to read in chapter 2 about the church in Ephesus. Now, it's like saying we're, preach, we're reading the book of the San Diegans. And now we're going to the city of San Diego. And we're going to see what Jesus talks about 
to these people. That's the same thing. We're, we're, we're examining the church of Ephesus, and Jesus has a letter for them, and he is checking the church. He is writing something about the church. In verse 2, he says, I know your works, your toil, your, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. And I know you're enduring patiently and bearing um, up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So this church has some good virtues. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned your first love that you first had, the love that you first had. Remember, therefore, from which you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Verse 6 says, yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, it's important to, to, to examine that when I read that. Because I was reading the, I, I wanted to read what Jesus thought about the church of Ephesus that we're studying. And Jesus says that he hates something. And if Jesus hates something, I want to know what it's about. Now, the Nicolaitans was a, uh, a group of people during this time led by a biblical scholar named Nicholas. And he had this idea, this doctrine, and it went something like this. He said, or his, his thought was, one who holds that under the gospel dispensation of grace, the moral law is of no use or obligation because faith alone is necessary to salvation. So in other words, the, the idea of the Nicolaitans was, because I'm saved by grace, I don't need to abide by any law. Grace is good enough for my life. That means that I can accept Jesus in my heart and go back to living the way I used to live. Now, that's not what Christianity is all about. That's not what, what serving the Lord is all about. It's, it's, a, it's a, Jesus coming into your life and changing you and, and, and helping you grow in faith. Now, let us begin to close this morning with one more thought. If we go back to Ephesians, what, uh, let's reach verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, the word workmanship in this verse is translated in the Greek, poema. And that's where we get our word poem from. God is telling you this morning that you're his poem. Now, I don't know how your poem skills are, but when you want to write a poem, you got to dig deep. You got to search the feelings. 
and the creativeness starts to flow and you start to develop a beautiful poem. And hopefully if you give it to somebody that you love, they, they read it and, and there's a connection. God is telling you this morning that you're his beautiful poem. He says this morning that you were created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared beforehand. And this morning, I just want to touch on this last point. Many of us, or maybe not many of us, but I know myself, I grew up in different, you know, a couple of different churches and so there, sometimes there was a, I want to approach this delicately, almost a fear to give yourself completely to the Lord. Like if you said, Lord, here am I, that he was going to send you to Timbuktu to preach the gospel. You know that if you said, yes, Lord, here am I, oh, dude, you were in for it. Uh-oh. You're going you're gonna to be a missionary now. Oh, you, you better be careful, right? And there's been this, this, this stigma in, in church. And I, I want to debunk that this morning. And I want to correct it this morning. Because, see, the Bible says that God beforehand has prepared good works for us. That we should walk in them. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if my son came up to me and said, Dad, I want to spend the day with you. I, I, I just want to hang around with you, Dad. Do you think I am going to say, all right, son, now I have you. Why don't you go ahead and, and start mowing the lawn? And when you're done, you can pull up the weeds. And when you're done with that, you can do the laundry. And you know what? My feet hurt. Why don't you give me a massage? You think I would do that as a father? No. When we say yes to the Lord, when we give our lives to him, he says, oh, I was waiting for that. I was, I, was, I was waiting for you to come to me, son. Come here. I want to take you with me. And, and, and I, I want to enjoy this day with you. You think the Lord has some plan, some device? Oh, man. No. This morning, we need to be people unafraid to say, yes, Lord. Unafraid to say, Lord, here is my life. Here am I. Here's my life. Because when you do that, you have a loving father who's saying, daughter, son, I was waiting for this day. Come here. I want to enjoy you. This morning as we bow our heads and close our eyes.